Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Hello, church, and welcome to our very first Good Friday broadcast. Excited that you've tuned in today. And uh, right off the bat here, I just want to let you know that at the end of our time together, we're going to be taking communion. And so if you need to press pause and go get your communion elements, uh, please feel free to do so. We want you to be able to participate in that as we remember the Lord's death today. Um, Don't feel like you've got to have grape juice like I do here. If you've got orange juice or pickle juice or whatever, that will work. Uh, The Lord knows our intent, and He also knows our heart. Today, uh, I want to talk to you and ask you the question, what did Jesus really do for me on the cross? You know, it's easy for us as uh, most of us who have been believers for quite some time that that we just kind of skip over the cross, right? Like it's old hat. And we say, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And, you know, we just move on about our day. But on this Good Friday, I really want us to focus in, and we're going to look at five specific things that Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, we could really spend weeks or maybe even months talking about all that Jesus accomplished on the cross, but I just want to point out these five to you today. And before I dive into that, I thought it would be appropriate for us to remember the Lord's death uh, by reading about it out of Matthew chapter 27 and verses 32 and following. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me today and follow along as I read. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put a charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down uh, from the cross, and then we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him, in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. 
And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Boy, it's really sobering to read that. The good news is that death for Jesus did not last, and we celebrate that this weekend. Now I want to go ahead and dive into the five things that we can learn about what Jesus did for us on the cross. So number one, he absorbed the wrath of God for me. 1 John 4.10 says this, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, one of the things that we often talk about uh, is how much the Lord loves us. But what we fail to talk about so often is that without Jesus, we would be the subject of God's wrath. And rightly so, right? Like we're sinful human beings who've rebelled against God. And what we deserve is immediate death. But what scripture tells us is that Jesus stepped in the way. While it should have been us on the cross, God loved us enough that instead of just misdirecting his wrath or sweeping it under the rug, that he, he pointed all of that wrath right at Jesus. And he absorbed all of it in place for you and for me. I love how John Piper explains this. He says, God's law demanded that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. But we have loved other things more. And that is what is sin, dishonoring God by preferring other things over him. So in, in our sin, by simply preferring other things, we have sinned against a holy and most high God. And the right reaction of the Lord is to be angry and direct his full wrath at us. But Jesus takes it on for you and me instead. I like to think about it like this. If, if God's wrath were the Mississippi River, and I'm standing at the very end on dry ground, and you guys, for those of you who've seen the Mississippi, I mean, it's huge. It's a mile wide. And I mean, you can't even begin to calculate how much water is flowing. And if all of that were flowing right at me, and just at the last second, it were diverted away, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He diverted the wrath of God and put it on himself. Number two. He freed me from sin. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. I like what Revelation uh, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. You know, sin is a really heavy burden for you and I to carry. I mean, you think about all that, that we have done in this life that has offended the Lord. And for us to um, carry that weight, it's incomprehensible. And what Jesus did on the cross is, is he said, listen, you don't have to carry that burden anymore. Let me lift that off your shoulders and take that from you. If it were not for Jesus, then you and I would still be slaves to sin. And we would have no choice but to submit to sin again 
and again and again. Yet through the blood of Jesus and what He did on the cross for you and for me, we find freedom from that. And I don't know where you are today and what you're going through, but I know there are times in my life when the guilt of sin begins to creep up and and I just have to deal with it. And you can deal with it today by simply confessing it to the Lord God and He will free you from your burden of sin. Some of you have experienced this and you've experienced the, the freedom that that the Lord gives us. Some of, you've been, uh, some of you have been addicted to different substances, and, and you've experienced freedom from that. And that's the kind of freedom that Jesus offers, that we would not be slaves to anything in this world anymore because of what Christ has done. Number three, He abolished the Old Testament rituals for me. One of the biggest controversies in the New Testament in the book of Acts is uh, about the Old Testament rite of circumcision. And, and for Jews, this wasn't a big deal because all of the men were circumcised. But when the gospel went out to the Gentiles, anybody who's not a Jew, so that would mean you and me, they began to have this debate, well, do these men need to be circumcised in order to be saved? And Paul tells us very clearly in Gal- Galatians 5.11, but if I, brothers still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? So here's the deal. Paul went out and he preached the gospel that if you will have faith in Christ, that he will save you. And then uh, every town he went to, the Pharisees would come behind him and then they would preach a different gospel and say, no, 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 you've got to be circumcised in order to truly be saved. The disciples Um, they debated this uh, in Jerusalem, and we find that detailed out for us in Acts chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 5. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together uh, to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the gospel and believe. And God knows the heart, I'm sorry, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us. And He made no distinction between them and between us having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through grace, through the grace of the Lord Jesus as they will. So here's the deal. They make very, very, very clear that you and I no longer have to submit to the Old Testament law in any way. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, in order to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, to experience eternal life with Jesus, there's not a set of rituals that you have to do. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to take communion in order to be saved. 
Jesus freed us from all of that. You don't have to pray a certain amount of prayers. You don't have to go to any specific place. Frankly, you don't even have to live a good life. But if you'll confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then He'll forgive you of all your sins, and you can spend eternity with Him. Jesus freed us from all the Old Testament rituals. Number four, He took away my condemnation and made me blameless in His sight. You know, a lot of believers today still walk around in a lot of guilt and a lot of shame for all the things that they've done. Now, most of us, we may not readily admit that, but when it comes down to it, and we're by ourselves and left with our own thoughts, oftentimes we can be the most condemning person of our own selves. And you might say something like, well, I just can't believe you did that again. You've said for so many times, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to yell at my kids the way my dad did. I'm not going to be that kind of person. Or you might say, well, there you go. You did it again. I guess you're a failure all over again. That's all you are is a failure. And so many times, we're the only one who's left condemning ourselves. But what we find in Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and following, is this. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who is indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I would add, or self. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You see, we, we can live a condemned life if we want to, but it's not because Jesus put us there. It's because we've put ourselves there. But rather, you and I ought to live like Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled by the body of flesh, by His death, in order to present you as holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. This is who you are. As believers, we are no longer condemned, but we are blameless in the sight of God. He accepts you just as you are today, right now. And you may think, well, Russell, you don't know what I've done today. You don't know what I did last night. I know it doesn't matter because when Jesus died on the cross, once and for all, for those who are His, He said, you are, homely, you, are, <laughs> you are homeless, you are holy, you are blameless, and you are above reproach. And so I hope that this Easter season, you will begin to think of yourself in those terms, not in the terms that you're used to using all the time. Number five. He shows the wealth of God's love and grace for me. You guys know this one, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. I love what Ephesians chapter 2 says. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. If you flip back a chapter before that, uh, Ephesians 1.3 says that Jesus has given us every blessing under heaven. And so, church, I think back to where we started. You think about how Jesus absorbed all of that wrath. He could not have done that unless it, He loved us with a great and rich and powerful kind of love. See, uh, those who have sinned and fallen short of His glorious standard, but God is rich in mercy. He saved us through His Son, Jesus, standing in the gap in our place so that you and I could be free, so that we could experience His love. And as I stand here and as I think about all of you guys who are out there, and I think about how not only has He saved you, not only can I think about all of the prayers He's answered in your lives, but I think about how much He has blessed you. I think about the lives you're living, and I think, yeah, even you who say, well, God hasn't blessed me. Yes, He has. And if we were to have a conversation face-to-face, I bet we could detail out all of the many ways that God has blessed us. You see, God's love never ends. We see that in the cross of Christ as He stood in the gap for us and expressed the fullest expression of His love. As He spread out His arms on that cross, He said, this is how much I love you. And if you were to think about God standing over all of the universe, and if the universe were in between His hands, He would say, I love you this much. We cannot begin to understand God's rich and powerful love towards us, though we can be thankful for it. And so at this time, in a time of thanksgiving and at a time of remembrance, today we're going to take communion together. Well, church, if you've not already, uh, I want to encourage you to press pause. And I'd like for you to spend some time with the Lord and to confess any sin uh, that needs to be confessed and uh, to spend some time thanking Him and praising Him for what He did on the cross so many years ago. And we'll be here ready to take communion uh, whenever you come back. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, In the same way, Also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you bow with me for prayer? Lord God, we are so thankful that in your sovereign will, you saw fit to send your son to take our place on the cross. Father, we are so grateful that you've loved us that much, that we, a people who sin and constantly put other things before you, that that you, you somehow in your great love 
Lord, you treasure us. You call us son and you call us daughter. And you beckon us to come back and to be in your presence. Father, today on this Good Friday, I want to pray for each one out there and ask, O oh Lord, that, that you would empower and that you would uh, give grace. Father, I pray that today would be a day of remembrance, a day that we take time to be grateful for all that you did on the cross. Lord, we thank you for communion and how it joins the body together, even though many of us are miles apart. And Father, we look forward to the day that we celebrate the resurrection. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today, church. I hope you guys have a blessed and wonderful Good Friday. And we'll see you here this weekend as we celebrate the resurrection. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.